Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Hallway Conversations on Epilepsy.com. Today is Wednesday, May the 2nd, and I'm excited because, as many of you know who follow us on Epilepsy.com, we had uh, posted the, uh, the, the great news from the recent uh, uh, panel that evaluated CBD, pharmaceutical grade, for uh, potential FDA approval as a medication. Uh, it would come under the name of Epidiolex, and uh, I know many people were very curious and waiting to see what happened with that. Well, today we we bring back a friend to this particular podcast, Dr. Jose Cavazos. He is a professor of neurology at the University of Texas Health Science Center uh, in San Antonio, Texas. He is a well-known epileptologist. Uh, He's a friend of mine. And he's going to kind of walk us through an interesting topic that we've never covered before, and that is what's the experience of serving as, the F, as an FDA panelist evaluating this drug? He was the only epilepsy, a member of the epilepsy community, uh, so to speak, from a science uh, physician standpoint, who was serving on the panel. And so, Jose, I'm just delighted that you're joining us to talk about this today. Hi, Joe. Um, hello, everybody in the audience. Um, I've been an epileptologist for 30 years. So let me just briefly tell you a little bit about um, why I was selected to this uh, panel. I have been a clinician scientist in epilepsy uh, all the way from preclinical animal models, understanding mechanisms, doing experiments um, with, uh, with rats and other animals. Uh, as well as conducting clinical trials, as well as um, developing um, uh, devices for epilepsy. So one of my current projects, for example, is the uh, surface EMG uh, monitor that is not just a monitor, but it alarms and recognizes generalized tonic-clonic seizures. In any case, um, I have been an a clinician scientist that takes care of patients with epilepsy and at the same time has been involved all the way from bench uh, science to clinical trials through all of this process. For me, this is the fourth FDA panel in in regards to epilepsy that I have served. Um, uh, These panels are, are constructed by finding individuals who can review the scientific evidence based on the rules of review of the FDA. Canivandiol is a medication that was reviewed by the FDA and assessed um, this past Thursday, April 19, um, by a panel of 13 members uh, of the scientific and neurological community. It did include a pediatric epileptologist or pediatric epilepsy uh, individual um, who had expertise uh, in as a clinician and as a clinical trialist, but I was the only person 
that you know had work all the way from bench to bedside. Um, the process for this particular medication was a um, an expedited review. So expedited right. review is a different kind of review from the FDA perspective. Much faster, but at the same time, it decreases the targets and the needed documentation that needs to be submitted. Nevertheless, the scientific evidence that was presented to the FDA included three prospective randomized placebo-controlled trials, uh, double-blinded, in um, two of them in, um, in Lennox-Gastaut and Dravé um, uh, syndrome. So the data was very strong. We, that the level of the strength of that data uh, is, is continues to be the same, but the entire safety tolerability, um, you know, mechanistic uh, action, uh, et cetera, the, the necessary documentation is considerably less. Got it. Can you, uh, can you give us, um, you know, for those of us who've never been on that, and, and I think that's almost the vast majority of the audience, describe, I mean, how does it work? I mean, is it just the 13 of you review things and then have a vote? How does it work? So we, first of all, the panel is selected. There is a group of individuals who are serving for three-year terms, and they um, they are, generally speaking, neurologists involved with um, clinical trials and who have had relatively little conflicts of interest. So one of the things, for example, that I was reviewing is if I had any uh, conflict of interest, had I served um, in any advisory panel for uh, this company, had I received any monies from this company, and in my case, I do not. Um, have have not taken um, you know pharmaceutical money for uh, several years um, uh, you know for personal gain. Um, my institution does get supported from clinical trials from different um, uh, uh, pharmacolo- pharma uh, medications, but I am not directly involved with that. In any case, we receive uh, about two months prior to the review panel, a docket of, um, you know, a significant docket with a review of the literature and a monograph, essentially, you know, 100 pages describing, you know, all the supporting evidence, referencing literature um, from the standpoint of what the company submits and what the FDA internal reviewers do. So the FDA has an army of statisticians, an army of individuals interested in addiction medicine, in side effects, in you know liver disease, et cetera, in, in drug interactions, et cetera, et cetera. And so what they do also is prepare a similar monograph. And so we receive these confidential materials um, for our review. And you know, honestly, you end up putting several hundreds of hours reviewing this uh, evidence, and you have to go to the primary evidence that they quoted. Along this process, the 
primary outcomes of the clinical trials were published. So we go to the primary literature and review that information, including supplementary tables, et cetera. So we review the quality of the scientific evidence and as to whether this is effective for the indication that is being proposed and as to right. whether there are issues, concern that, that are providing advice to the FDA in terms of how do they need to label the product as well as obtain information about tolerability. And tolerability is a, is, is a significant issue um, sure. with cannabidiol pharma grade because this is a highly concentrated medication as compared to what is being sold in, in dispensaries in some of the states that have um, CBD oil available. Got it. Jose, I know that from the news, it was a unanimous positive vote in favor of approval. Uh, you, you said earlier you've been in almost four of these panels. Is that unusual, or is this the way it goes typically? Well, um, typically the FDA convenes a panel after having worked with a particular controversial subject but working after several years with the company. So the FDA has been providing um, guidance to this company uh, for five years or more in regards to how to conduct and whether they are ready to present the evidence. So generally speaking, um, you know, in three out of the four panels that I have participated, it's close to unanimous or unanimous with abstentions, uh, meaning, right. for example, there are questions sometimes about clinical effectiveness and, you know, there are statisticians in the, in the group and they say, well, this is a statistically significant, but I do not know if this is clinical significant and that individual may abstain. Now, I have been in circumstances where the vote is much closer. Um, so I was in, a, in one particular one that was more that that was split because you know you have to wage again the bad potential benefits to the potential um, uh, downsides. In this particular time, by the time that we do this evidence, we go back and forth. We ask questions, clarifications from both the FDA as well as the company. And so there is a lot of discussion. And to an extent, it's pretty much a consensus, but the fact that a consensus statement, but by the fact that it's unanimous, it, it shows that at least it crossed the burden of effectiveness. I do believe, however, that there is a danger like any other medication of overhyping any medication. The numbers of seizure improvement are dramatic in some patients, but not so, not so different than other medications or no effect whatsoever in some individuals. Some individuals okay. did suffer significant side effects. Got it. Jose, I guess that, that, that brings us to the question on, on CBD itself. Um, you know, how were there any surprises in your assessment of the drug's effectiveness, or for that matter, how it even works? 
to me, so mechanistically, um, you know, one of the things that I was disappointed was the fact that there is not enough information about the uh, potential mechanism. For example, we do know that it's, that polymorphisms of one of the potential receptors that this medication CBD works with to in, in order to improve uh, neuronal excitability is a G-protein-mediated G um, uh, cannabinoid receptor, uh, 55, and there are known polymorphisms. They were not examined. And why this is important? Because the um, the clinical trials, for example, uh, had a very high percentage of Caucasian, uh, white Caucasian uh, patients in in them with very little representation of minorities. Um, you know, the, uh, polymorphisms is what makes our skin different, our liver work and respond different. In the past, for example, there have been drugs that work well for uh, hypertension, but only on African-Americans, not in the rest of the population or not as well in the population. I suspect that there are polymorphisms. Some, you know, polymorphisms is like thinking about, you know, blue eyes, green eyes, or, or, or darker eyes, or like uh, blonde hair and, and darker hair or red hair. Um, so if this only... You know, it, it's it's a fantastic drug for red hair people, for example. Just to make an analogy, notice that's not right. the way it works. Um, but um, it, it, you know, if it it was only for that, well, we did not study that, and so we do believe that for some individuals, it's a marvelous drug. So I did see some individuals um, that had major improvement but some individuals who had none. And also there were some individuals who had liver function and test abnormalities um, and who is unable to process this medication. There were also some individuals who just couldn't tolerate the medication because of GI side effects of nausea and vomiting and other things of that sort. So just like any medication, this is a concentrated medication extracted in this particular case of the marijuana plant. It doesn't seem to be addictive. Um, having said that, right now this is a schedule one because it is part of the plant. But it's likely that it will um, be, um, you know, be reclassified. And this is again part of the work that the FDA needs to do with the DEA and the Drug Enforcement Agency um, in regards to the um, to the addictive properties of this particular compound. This does yeah. not give you the high of marijuana. The, okay. in, in people who were habitual drug users, it didn't make them use this medication more. Okay, so so it's not addictive. It doesn't seem to be addictive. There is very minimal um, uh, signal. I mean, after all, still many of these medications don't only work in, in a single receptor, but in multiple. Now, one important aspect is that CBD in the dispensaries is much lower 
um, amount. And right. even in the pharma grade, it does right. contain a very minute amount of THC. It's not huh. enough to give you the neurocognitive effects or psychiatric effects of, of, right. uh, of THC, but it is enough to give you a positive drug test um, because those drug tests are very insensitive. So an individual might be just taking this medication and their marijuana, um, uh, you know, uh, urine test, dog screen, might end up being positive. So, I mean, there are some components in the label that they need to add to make sure that the public is protected as they, um, you know, engage in normal life. Let me ask you, like, kind of go back, because that's super helpful. What about, um, what was the, uh, were there any surprises in the side effects that you saw? Not really. Um, you know, the surprise, the, I mean, there are, there are known interactions, um, or back then, um, you know, um, a few years ago, Elizabeth Thiel, who is one of the primary investigators um, at um, in one of the Harvard hospitals in Boston, uh, was um, that there was a um, Clobazam drug interaction with CBD, uh, such as that Clobazam levels increase significantly, potentiating side effects of that medication. Clobazam is a, a medication that has been approved as an adjunctive therapy for this particular set of individuals, people with Dravet syndrome and uh, Lennox-Gastaut syndrome. And so um, this is obviously a very important drug interaction that people need to know. In, a, in a, another circumstance is that um, Valproic Valproate uh, is known to uh, increase um, liver function tests in a subpopulation of patients with um, with with uh, just taking that medication, um, particularly in pediatric patients. Um, and in this particular uh, study, um, you know, when you look at the meta-analysis of the three uh, studies, it showed that there was a significant um, increased probability for those people taking um, both Globasam and primarily Valproid to have elevations of liver function tests. And as such, if you're making the other medications um, higher in in blood levels, you are going to see also side effects from the concomitant drug interaction. Um, so that was a slightly the only slight surprise, but you know that was known information since 2015 or so. Got it, Jose. We're in our last uh, about minute or so. You know, this is this has been this to me is super fascinating. Just the process and and also the other points that you have just made that I think we're just beginning to appreciate. What what take home message or what other issue do you want to make sure? that the audience comes away from our talk today that you want to make sure that they, that they fully uh, grasp or remember from today's conversation? The pharma-grade medication, uh, CBD, 
is um, several ten to maybe a hundredfold, depending upon which um, brand, uh, higher than what is in the dispensaries. It has been evaluated very strictly for these two indications, Dravet syndrome and Lennox-Gastaut. Although it may have effects in other um, epilepsy um, syndromes and conditions, it's not yet ready for general use by the community in those indications. There are ongoing clinical trials, and I will encourage you um, to engage into those clinical trials um, because the sooner we have the information, the sooner indications brought up to the entire community. Jose, that is fantastic advice. We look forward to hearing more as to the final FDA uh, decision on this uh, sometime in the summer. Uh, Jose, I hope in the future we can count on you to come back and talk more about other things in epilepsy as well. As always, it is always a pleasure speaking with you and speaking with your community. Thank you very much, and um, have a good day. Uh, you too, Jose. appreciate it. To those of you who just joined us, uh, we've been talking to Dr. Jose Cavazos. He is a professor of neurology at the University of Texas Health Science Center uh, in San Antonio, Texas. He is a very distinguished epileptologist, uh, benched at bedside uh, uh, in terms of basic science to clini uh, clinical research work, uh, and he has been telling us about his experiences of serving on the FDA panel that reviewed Epidialects, and we really appreciate it. To those of you out there, we hope that you've enjoyed today's conversation, and as always, check out any part of epilepsy.com. My name is Dr. Joe Servant. I'm editor-in-chief of epilepsy.com. Today has been May 2nd, 2018. Thanks so much for joining us, and come back and see us again here on Hallway Conversations on epilepsy.com. Have a great one.